We'll do it live. Uh, how you doing, John? How's your Thanksgiving? Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Went down to Pennsylvania. Came back from Pennsylvania. We stayed in a um, bed and breakfast. You uh, did. Yeah, it's this place called the Lafayette Inn in uh, in Easton, PA, the town where I was born. Because the the house was full of guests, and uh, the kids wanted to sleep in separate bedrooms with my folks, so that my mom, very generously, as she has done in the past when the house is full, offered to get us a night or two at this uh, B and B, uh, and and it's nice. It's you know, it's like every B and B. I think they're all they're all reading the same trade magazines, so they all have like the warm cookies and the and coffee in the in the lounge, and they've got the you know the whatever fucking turn down service bullshit and the, you know the, and their trademark is that their their kitchen will serve you these these homemade belgian waffles and the wi-fi password is belgian waffle yeah to underscore that it, there's belgian it, waffles involved. right right and these are nice people but uh it's thanksgiving so we ch- you know we check in on wednesday night and thursday is thanksgiving when we wake up and the idea is that we'd lounge around in our room for a while, and then we'll go over to uh, my parents uh, for for the day of, of family festivities. Except that Thanksgiving in Easton, Pennsylvania, is also the day of the long-running Phillipsburg-Easton football rivalry. And the bed and breakfast, in express violation of every trade magazine they ever read, I'm sure, rents out... Uh, parking spaces in their front yard for people to drunkenly have tailgate parties before the game. <laughs> Bed and, and breakfast and tailgate. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, it is just utterly obnoxious. So so we woke at 7 in the morning to uh, leaf blowers. They decided to do leaf blowing right outside our window at 7 a.m. on Thanksgiving. Uh, and the two, the two people operating the, you know, they're the gas-powered leaf blowers – were angry at each other and were shouting, shouting at each other as they did it, because they're wearing, you know, they're wearing the big protective uh, ear earmuffs, you know, so they can't hear each other, so they have to scream, and you know, insults at each other outside our bedroom window. Excellent. And this woke up the dog next door, who I yeah. think was not actually allowed to be in there, but the but the our room and the room next to us had this sort of secret around the corner entrance that you could go through. So the lady who was in there, in addition to coughing all night, had a giant standard poodle, um, which whose fur she had cut into funny shapes. And uh, the dog was barking. And uh, and the other thing was the, there's a, you know, the upstairs has the regular Wi-Fi network. And then there's an extension downstairs. And the extension has a different password. Which they, was? Well, I don't know. They refused oh. to admit that it had a different password. The, their password worked on the normal network. But it doesn't work in the extension. So I said, that password doesn't uh, work on the extension. And, of course, they said, well, you're spelling it right. It's B-E-L-G-I-A-N. Waffle. One waffle. I was like, no, I, I put that in uh, several times. It won't accept it. But it will accept it on the on the network that I can't get that's upstairs. And she said, well, that's the password. I said it's um it's really can't argue with passwords. It's it's really not the password. <laughs> so you know whoever is whoever is just trying to use it is failing, and you have you know didn't work on any of the devices we had, and they just basically said we were wrong. So that was that. 
the rules fell apart very quickly at this bed and breakfast. They they did. They did. Uh, Usually a rule-bound milieu. <laughs> yeah. There was this place in Ithaca that my parents tried to stay in once that was um, so rule-bound it was it was horrifying. Uh, they the, the lady who ran the place, you had to put your shoes in a certain place, and you had to, if you wanted to eat breakfast, you had to say precisely what you wanted for breakfast, like at 7 o'clock the previous evening. And uh, it it was a nightmare. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a special breed of person who opens a B&B. Somebody who bought a house that was too big and then didn't know what to do with it because everybody left them because they're such horrible people. <laughs> and for both economic and personal reasons, they need they need strangers around to uh, uh, control um, and probably drug. Probably. And their probably. sleep with gas from the vents. <laughs> I assume. Yeah, I, I don't I know. Stayed in one, I stayed, only stayed in one, and it was in Manhattan, Kansas, when I was there for uh, a reading, Kansas State, where my alma mater. And it was very lovely. And uh, then I went back earlier this year for a professor's retirement, and I couldn't stay there because I had a child with me. And there are no children in the bed and breakfast. Really? And so I had to drive, and there was no place else to stay in Manhattan, so I had to drive back to uh, uh, Topeka afterwards. Whoa. Did you know this? Did you make the reservation before you realized that, that there, were, there was a no-child policy? The people at the university had made the reservation and did wow. not know about the policy. So I found out that day. But it doesn't really matter, because what would, I mean, <clears throat> look at one way I would think, oh, well, that's it's a shame, because then after the party, you have to drive back after having had, you know, a few beers. But I had the kid with me the whole time, so I had had nothing to drink. So it was no chore at all, really. Yeah. In fact, it was quite nice to just drive back and stay at my dad's instead of uh, you know, go follow the rules at some stranger's house. Yeah. But generally, I think uh, I, I prefer, I think, have you stayed at an Airbnb? Have you used the Airbnb service? I haven't. Uh, I've been uh, a little leery of it. Yeah. Have you, have you tried it? I haven't tried it, but I've looked into it. Why are you leery of it? You're so eager to embrace beds and breakfasts in here. Who are these people who want me to stay in their house? Is the kind is there... people? Hmm. How are they? They, don't di- have, they have small places. The difference is that people with bed and breakfasts bought houses that were too big. Um, people with Airbnb tend to have small places um, that are just slightly big enough to accommodate something else. Yeah. Right. Um, different breed entirely. All right. Different kind of cats. I think. Um, I don't know. I've, 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 I've met some people who often use the Airbnb and, and some people who rent out places in their, in their smallish apartments or houses. And uh, it seems to work. It seems to work pretty well. I don't know. Well, maybe we should, maybe we should give this a try. I guess, I guess here's, here's the reason. Here's the reason. Uh, I... Unless they're friends, I don't think I don't find appealing the idea of moving even temporarily into a space designed by and for someone else's enjoyment. The thing about a bed and breakfast is as obnoxious as it can be is that uh, it's designed for guests. It's made for guests. Whereas the guests the, from the eighteen nineties, <laughs> yeah. guests nonetheless. 
<laughs> That's what the, the symbolic meaning of the non-functional Wi-Fi password is. So you could be more. They can make you be more 1890s. Visiting Danish uh, dignitaries <laughs> or VDDs, right. as they're called. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I I I I ought to like that being a yeah. writer, being nosy. You know, uh, but uh, for some reason, I'm not. Under what circumstances would you and and your family take on borders? What would it have to come to for you all to take on a border? Um, I don't. Th- I think we would sooner sell our house and move into a smaller place than that. Is that is that what I asked? Did I ask under what circumstances would you sell your house? <laughs> there has to be some conditions under which you would take on 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 a border. Okay, because uh, you have a big enough place. If I lost the room my that job. you're in, the room that you're in right now, in fact, sure. During the summer months, would be a pleasant place for uh, some drifter to <laughs> lay his head in exchange for some uh, doing some chores, feeding the chickens, bailing, bailing lavender. I don't know. Did you say bailing lavender? <laughs> I did. I don't know what <laughs> what grows over there. I'm surrounded by lavender fields. <laughs> Which are being gathered in bales by <laughs> your bales, yeah. By my children, yeah. my poor children. Yeah, we, I would have to lose my job and yeah. w- uh, bef- between losing my job and finding a, a different living situation, we would probably take a border, but I, it would have to be somebody we knew. I mean, you know, Lauren from from the band stayed stayed in our house for three weeks, and that was perfectly acceptable. So, but like uh, having a you know having a housemate, you're talking about, I I would uh, have to know. You know I think there's a difference between a housemate and a lodger. Yeah, I think it's purely economic. Like I think I don't think a friend can be a lodger. If a friend comes to stay with you for a while, it's a friend who's come to stay with you for a while. But if you take on a boarder, yeah, if you if you uh, if you have a lodger, I think you're you're a uh, um, you know, there's 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 a presumption of, of there's no real connection. In fact, you're 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 putting yourself in a different class than that person. Maybe a little below or a little above, but not going to have a lot of interaction inter, interaction <laughs> with the lodger. Uh, yeah, I have to say, I have. There has not been a time in my life when I did not really dis dislike having a roommate the best situation ever was in missoula with uh, mary and mark but even that was not was not good because it was i just don't like i don't like living with someone who i'm not in a sexual relationship with which is why i've i've made it a point of of fucking every roommate no i (laughs) right yeah no i i I just uh and i i think uh, i think a lot of people after a certain age feel that way you know once you're 30 you don't you don't want to live with you know, most people don't want to live with the roommates anymore. But I, um, I never did, never did. However much I liked them, I didn't want to live with them. So no lodgers for you? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, you know, I, this is I'm speaking from the perspective of a of a you know a, a fairly comfortable middle class American. Yeah. So I don't I don't I don't hear necessarily the voice of a house vote. Uh, do, you, do you think? Do you think that my wife would think otherwise? My wife and I'm, children would feel me even more strongly, I think, than I here. I think, I think so. But as but as readers of as, as readers of fiction, I think you you could see the uh, uh, the narrative possibilities of taking sure. on a lodger. 
Sure, sure. And I was going to say that about the Airbnb. I ought to, uh, I ought to, I ought to like the the notion of uh, of staying in someone else's house uh, as as a fiction writer. But um, what is it? What is it that happens in the, in the Metamorphosis in Kafka's Metamorphosis? They take on lodgers at some point. Yeah. Right. Three men. Yeah. Am I getting this right? Think, yeah, yeah uh, I think you are. Yeah. Three men with beards. <laughs> And they keep their beards outside of the uh, when they they sleep in the same bed, and their <laughs> their beards stay above the uh, blankets. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want. Well, them that's in a my set house. of that's a, that that was a set. Of, that was a nice middle class family whose whose situation changed unpredictably, and they had to take on lodgers. I'm just saying, you have to be prepared, John. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you? Do you know something I don't? Are you uh, preparing me for some inevitability <laughs> now that? Is this podcast going to end with you saying, John, it's time I told you the truth? Go check on Toby. <laughs> turned into a, a, an enormous vermin. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't wish that on him. Although, you know, you learn about yourself. I mean, Gregor learns about himself. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not how that story goes. <laughs> <laughs> he learns. In the end, they hug it out. <laughs> <laughs> It's got a huggy tag. <laughs> they what? It's got a huggy tag. It's what they call sitcom writers call you know the, the end of a sitcom when they all just you know misunderstandings <laughs> have been explained and uh, the the tensions have been uh, uh, eased and they all they all hug and they're friends and family again. And that's called a huggy tag. A huggy tag. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Where did you learn that term? From your friend George, the TV writer? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I learned it before I knew any TV writers. <laughs> oh, dear. But I think all the TV writers I know, I don't think any of them would engage in the huggy tag. Ironically, you know. perhaps. Uh, my friend Mike is writing the, producing the, the Originals, which is the Vampire Diaries spinoff, Mike Narducci. Yeah. And I uh, watched one episode, and uh, there's no huggy tags in that. I'm not saying it's great. But there's no huggy tags. It's not a trope of the of the vampire genre. Really. Not really. There is a closeness that is a trope of the vampire genre. There's an intimacy, but it usually leads to to greater tensions and <laughs> vampires. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I just noticed something. You in the in the in our you know back and forth uh, notes on the oh, here. Let me get to this to the Skype here. On the, uh, you know, we can send each other notes on Skype. I don't even know what the hell it's called. Little instant messaging, Skype instant messaging. You put a link in there that I never noticed. You put it in there like a week or two ago. And I just clicked it, and it's this Natalie Shapiro poem. Did you put that in there? I don't think so. You might have sent that to me, John. I don't think I did. Natalie Shapiro, a moving poem. We've been ta- I've been talking about Natalie, but I don't remember reading this poem. It's a good poem. I don't see the link. I don't have the link in my uh, in my browser in my viewer. This this I want to read this poem though because it's about houses, uh, among other things, and uh, it's it's germane to our discussion. And uh, also, uh, there was this piece in the Chicago Tribune by uh, Michael Robbins. Do you know this guy? This poetry, aliens versus uh, Robbins. Yeah, originally uh, Topekan. I'd like to point out. Oh, really? Yeah, although I don't, we haven't met. He's now, uh, he's now, uh, 
he and I look like each other. We look very mm. we look very similar to each other to the extent that uh, our my friend uh, Adelina went to a reading uh, that Robbins was at, not participating in, and she thought it was me and went up to say hello to him, and he totally snubbed her because he doesn't know her, but mm. she was mad at me for for what he did, and yeah. late, later realized it wasn't me that it was this it was this poet Michael Robbins. So anyway, he and I. Uh, well, he, I don't know if he follows me, but I, I follow him on Twitter because he's funny on Twitter. He posted a link to this thing he wrote in the in the Chicago Tribune. It's um, not his favorite books, poetry of the year, uh, but some books that he uh, some books that he found interesting and which he criticized pretty much as much as he did praise. But it was an interesting, it was refreshingly uh, blunt kind of uh, criticism and I'll put the put the link in the notes um, and he it says poetry collections that caught our attention in 2013 Michael Robbins <laughs> breaks most of the rules in rounding up his picks for 2013 poetry so anyway he uh, he's, a, he's a provocateur yeah yeah he yeah. seems to be but it but in a way that's that's in what little of his uh, online writing I've read uh, is appealing to me but anyway yeah. he yeah, praised he praised my friend Natalie Shapiro for her first book, No Object. Said that uh, her newer work that he'd seen was better, though, and he looked forward to that. But this this poem is something new from hers that I don't from her that well maybe it was in the book. It says spring two thousand ten, but I don't remember this poem, and it's called a moving poem, and I'm going to read it. At the end, the house looked like it had gotten out of the house and made us chase it through municipal flower beds and culverts, maybe a lake, before we dragged it home and watched it shake itself all over itself. The moon was full as moony fish, the drawers brimmed with busted plugs and other drawers' handles. Splitting up the batteries was easy, as we'd shopped exclusively to match our blood types. Did you see the shrinking larvae in the light bulbs? I was thinking, beneath our silver school of moon, about that short you made in school, the windy day pedestrian whose cap went blustering off his head and through the door of Lily's lingerie. Hard to be sure if it was terror or shame or some proud clap of snobbishness that kept him on the sidewalk, rooted as a kept woman, but he could not venture in. Beside the slogan-spangled mannequin, our underthings will not be undersold, he shifted in his shoes. The credits rolled. That's very nice. Yeah, you're yeah. not you're 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 underwhelmed though. I like it. All right, all right. I like it. I think it's a good poem. Anyway, so this so this um Rob Robin's piece about the the books he sort of liked comes at the same time as this what seems to me a really dumbass article. Uh, I really should prepare ahead of time. Okay, here it is. Bob Garfield, who I think is an NPR guy, yeah, um, is writing in the New York Times about uh, BuzzFeed's decision to ban the negative book review. Right. Um, and he says, this is quoting Bob Garfield, Now look, I'm no Pollyanna. I understand there are some stinkers out there. Just between you and me, James Patterson's latest didn't have the usual sizzle. And recently I was quite put off by the protocols of the elders of Zion. <laughs> but what purpose is served by publicly finding fault with a volume that some author has worked very hard to produce, when there are many, many excellent books upon which to lavish praise? 
Ed Skoog, your thoughts? Well, I, I, he's got a point. That if, books are, if books are connected to ideas, we ought to be able to criticize bad ideas. Um, and if, but if they're just luxury goods that have no meaning, then, then, then why bother criticizing them? Right. It's, uh, it's, it's like, it's, this isn't, to me, this article is not about criticism. It's about, you know, it's anti-snarking and negativity. And I don't think that anybody is uh, super enth- enthusiastic about snarking, but that's not what criticism is. Right. Nor is BuzzFeed seems particularly concerned about uh, uh, holding back from issues of snark and, 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 and withering. Uh, Fourteen side boobs you just won't yeah. believe. Yeah. I'll believe most side boobs. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't feel like they're really trying to, uh, uh, you know, try to pull one over on me <laughs> or on themselves. That, that's what you think. Hmm. <laughs> Are you doing any reviews right now? Are you working on any? Do you have any coming out? Or no. have you been uh, turning them down or not being offered them? More? No, I haven't been offered them for a little while. And I'm, I, I'm, tr- I'm, uh, I, you know, I think the, the thing is that the editors who have me in mind just haven't, nothing's come across their desk that made them think, oh, I'll give this to Lennon. Um, but then again, I, there's also this, there's also this paranoia that like I'm being punished for something. Like you know, I'm being maybe I'm being punished for the LRB for liking a Dave Eggers novel, or maybe I'm being punished by the New York Times for not liking a Ben Marcus novel, or mm-hmm. maybe uh, uh, this is just nonsensical. And I don't know how I don't know how they they work. I'm not sure if they. I don't either. Uh, pay attention to that. I don't know. Probably just saving you for uh, for, for some some big book that they. They don't want to. They don't want to drain your critical powers on some, um, some some books that are beneath you. I got some thoughts about the new James Patterson. I think it lacks sizzle. <laughs> not enough sizzle. Not enough sizzle. I'm not sure what a James Patterson is. Are those submarine books, or are those doctor books, or are they doctors in a submarine? Submarine doctor books. Um, That's a book series right there. <laughs> I think the submarine books. Submarine w- doctor. Uh, were um, what's his name? He's dead. The dead guy. Winston R- Churchill. Cla- <laughs> Clancy. Tom Clancy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tom Clancy and the Doctor books, I don't know who that is. But no, I think he's I think he's a mystery guy. I've never read him. Don't know. I mean, I read a couple of pages and, and was was put off. Yeah. Put off him. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We've been, uh, we, we was... Spending a lot of time yesterday looking at books and thinking about books, not as as a reader or writer, but as a Christmas gift giver, as yeah. an in-law. I yeah, was thinking yeah. a lot about books, um, and and going looking at the lists and trying to remember what what there was that was new. Because I like a hardback book. Wait, wait, be. as as an in-law, so this this would be for the sister of Jill, for for the sister and brother and nieces and nephews and and parents that I am related to by marriage. All right. Uh, who are who are all readers? Yeah, have their tastes, but have have a little broader tastes than most of my family. Who I, I don't know if I would characterize my own family anymore, much as readers. Although they might read 
a few things in a real specific category. Right. Management books for one or two uh, certain strains of fantasy and sci-fi for one. Um, Christian stuff for another? I don't know. I don't know what people read anymore in my family. Well, here's the problem with picking out books for people is that if they have a niche that they're interested in and you are not an expert in that niche, then it's unlikely that you're ever going to find something for them that they don't already know about or that will meet their – their. Um... Right. This is actually related to my overarching theory of gift giving, which has changed a lot over the years. I – I don't like seasonal gift giving. Uh, with my immediate family, with Owen and Toby and Rian, I I like it pretty well because we know each other extremely well and can surprise each other and enjoy giving something to each other that that we'll enjoy, and we have a good time on Christmas. But for the most part, here's how I like to buy gifts for people: I come across something out in the world at random and think, "Oh, so and so." Any time of the year. Yeah, yeah, any time of the year. February. Perfect. And think, oh, oh, so-and-so would like that. And then I I buy it, and I give it to them, and say, I I thought of you when I saw this. And here's part two of how I like to give gifts. Giving someone a gift is not for them. It's for you. You're you're doing it because you want them to have it. You're doing a little, little social engineering here. You want them to have this thing. You want this thing in their life. And if they... Do not express gratitude for it. That's fine, and you should not be put off by that because you're, you're. It's not an act of generosity. Well, it's an act of social maintenance. Okay, yeah. I wish the giving of the gift is enough. Yeah, but gosh, what a wasteful economy that is. Well, I think it's a good thing to spend money on. Because then you're not spending uh, money on some crap that you don't need or want for yourself. <laughs> you're, 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 it's like you are doing that, but you're storing it at someone else's house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I like giving books, and and uh, you know sometimes someone will read it, and I like it. I like to surprise somebody with something that they will like, not 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 to correct them you know something i want to give somebody something that they will enjoy that maybe they wouldn't have found uh on their own like my my uh, father-in-law gave him that uh the teju cole book last year whatever yeah. it was called yeah uh, open, open, city. open city open city because i liked it and i you know it's unusual weird book and it's not something that he would run across um and he read it and we talked about it he seemed to have, have liked it and been acceptably challenged by it without being put off by it. That was, you know, a little bit of a stretch. But like my brother who reads sci-fi and fantasy, when I buy him something, uh, it's it's always a great disappointment to him. <laughs> really? Well, it's that I don't understand that he really only likes Robert Jordan. <laughs> uh, Ed, look at the name on this cover. Right, What's this, this name? China Mieville? I don't, is that a pen name for Robert Jordan? I don't think so. Or a Dr. Rowe? You would same think, thing. You would think that if a guy likes Robert Jordan, he might uh, he might enjoy some China Mieville. I think he would. He probably read it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, have an acceptable Thanksgiving day? What did you eat? 
Um, we ate. Oh, there was turkey. I chewed the turkey. I had some stuffing. Had some. Um, and I should say, Rian has chewed the turkey because she's she's a uh, she's reengaging with her vegetarianism. Um, I didn't have the turkey because I'm just fucking sick of turkey, and I actually just don't like it very much. But I had some uh, sweet potatoes and some sort of creamy corn casserole and some broccoli and some uh, Brussels sprouts and some stuffing. Nice. Yeah. Um, and did you all contribute? Did you all make anything? Yeah, I made that? I made the Brussels sprouts. Nice. Yeah. How'd you make? Well, this is a uh, this is a, a very short, boring anecdote about this. Uh, on. Um, so I told my mother. My mother wanted to know a week ahead of time what I was going to cook for Thanksgiving. So I, of course, I hadn't even begun to think about it. So I just said very quickly in an email, Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. Because I, I figured it was something that would not step on her toes as chef. She, there's no way she was going to make Brussels sprouts. So I would bring Brussels sprouts. And then um, a couple of days later, we had house guests. Uh, Virginia and her husband were in town. And so we had a potluck dinner, and I wanted to make a couple of things for the potluck dinner. And I thought, well, why don't I try Brussels sprouts, and I'll see if the way I'm thinking of cooking them is going to work. And then I'll know if it will taste good on Thanksgiving. So this will be the test run. So I'm, I'm there chopping up the sprouts, and I was going to put a little garlic in a pan, a little olive oil, cut all the sprouts in half, like cut off the, you know, the, the hard stemmy area. And slice slice that laterally, you know, in the in half, and then uh, throw them in the pan, fry them up, throw in a little uh, salt and pepper and some uh, ch- sliced almonds. Okay, but while I was preparing this food, Virginia walks into the kitchen, having just unpacked her bag, and presented to me an apple and said, "Do you have any use for a slightly bruised Macintosh apple?" And I said, "Yeah, peel it." chop it up, and throw it in the Brussels sprouts. And so she crazy, did that. Crazy, impulsive behavior. It was nuts. It was off the hook. But it was very good. And so I did that at uh, my parents' house. I, I, And I also happened to have some asparagus that would otherwise have gone bad in my house while we were away. So I chopped up the asparagus and threw that in there for Thanksgiving, too. And everybody liked it. So there you go. That's quite a dish. Yeah. I wouldn't call it Brussels sprouts. I would give it a new name. A name... <laughs> Un, un, unheretofore given to food. <laughs> you, you've, you've just put quite the burden on yourself to think of this name. That's up to you. You made the dish. You got the aiming <laughs> right. Oh, I don't know. What would you call it? Lobe salad. Leopold and Lobe salad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, so it was it was a it was a it was a fine evening. There was a, a, about uh, six years ago, maybe uh, my mom kind of seized Thanksgiving, and I think everyone willingly relinquished it to her because uh, she likes hosting everybody. But we've had kind of the same Thanksgiving for a long time now, and I'm contemplating rebellion because you know I think we've talked about this even on the podcast before that my. My all-time favorite Thanksgiving, as much as I have enjoyed being with my family at that time, was the uh, were the the two years we went to Sealy Lake um, with uh, you know all of our grad school friends because um, it was it was unexpected and weird and in a strange location and it was snowing outside and everybody was drunk and having a deep good time. snow, yeah, really deep snow, deep snow, yeah. 
I remember uh, with our with our old seventy nine Datsun uh, going down these the these uh, plowed roads with like six foot berms on either side, going down this tunnel to the to the cabins we'd rented. It was great. So anyway, well, I, but I haven't asked you how your Thanksgiving was. Where where were you, and what did you do? We should have gone up to Sealy Lake. Uh, we thought about going up to um, Lolo Hot Springs. Yeah. And just having their Thanksgiving because they they have a restaurant up there and uh, just doing Thanksgiving there and soaking. Yeah, and that would have been lovely. We're going to go up there today. In fact, we're going to go up and mm. snowshoe and ski around Lolo Pass and then go for a soak. Great. After. I've noticed, by the way, that in in your in your forties, you have uh, you've taken up being hot and moist as a recreational. Oh, I like a soak. Yeah, I like a Schwitz. A steam, a soak. Feels good. A heating, a, really good. a ritual mm-hmm. heating, with really others. Good. Yeah. Or alone. Yeah. But it's good for there to be others around, just for the safety issue, because I'll have a heart attack in one of these things. Right. It's going to happen, <laughs> and it'd be nice if there's somebody around to you know pull me, haul me out of the, haul me out of the water. You know? <laughs> That's the only chance I'll have. Uh, but instead, my uh, uh, brother-in-law from Spokane and his family came over, and uh, and I cooked Thanksgiving pretty much. We had a turkey, uh, stuffing in a crock pot. Yeah, uh, it was uh, carrots and honey and tarragon dish. Nice. I make uh, green beans and almonds, mashed potatoes, uh, pumpkin pecan pie. I uh, made a bunch of cookies, a bunch of fresh bread. And some squash bread. I had all the squash. I went to uh, uh, Bend, Oregon, in Central Oregon last yeah. week. Yeah. And went to Robert Stubblefield's old ranch, the family ranch in Monument, Oregon. Yeah. By the way, Central Oregon. You look on a map, you think, okay, it's called the High Desert. It's probably just, you know flat. You look on the map, it looks like it's probably flat. You look on Google Earth, and it looks kind of unremarkable. But you drive there. And it is insanely beautiful. Really? And you're going from 6,000 feet to 2,000 feet. I mean, it's this really broken country um, in which you're, you're always in, you know, kind of going over passes and, and down into uh, you know, valleys and high valleys and you know, thick forests. And hardly anybody lives out there. And there's lots of old homesteads and ghost towns. Yeah. Um, it's gorgeous. I'm clicking on some photos right now. This is extraordinarily beautiful. Yeah. Monument, Oregon. John Day, Oregon. Mitchell, Oregon. Good Dayville. God, look at this place. Yeah. Amazing. And Monument's kind of down in a bowl. You can't really tell from the maps. Yeah. But it's uh, it's uh, it's in the, the valley of the John Day River. and it's But it's a bowl. And, and you feel like you're in somebody's arms when you're there. There's about 160 people live in town. Most of them are stubble fields. That's an exaggeration. <laughs> um, but he's got a brother who still lives there uh, and some family. And his his brother and, and, and sister-in-law loaded me up with a, a Hubbard squash, this old squash variety that they've been growing there for a long time. It tastes yeah. kind of like an acorn squash, kind of like a pumpkin, and kind of like a cucumber. Interesting combo. Good is a had the, the the richness and hardiness of a squash, of a regular squash, with a, a kind of a lightness and a citrusy 
flavor. Yeah. So, um, so I made some bread out of that, and then I just roasted a bunch of it. And they also sent sent uh, sent us back with a bunch of canned goods, canned peaches, canned ground cherries, canned beets. Wait, wait, wait. what are ground cherries? It's a it's a relative of the tomatillo. Really? Um, but they're golden. You see them sometimes. Are they sweet? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can eat them just right off the off the vine. Put them in a salad. This is kind of a preserves them, so it's kind of sh- sugared, but not quite a jelly or a jam, but on its way to it. They kept their shape, but uh, yeah, ground cherry. Oh yeah, the I see them here. They they've uh, they've got the uh, they've got the like sheath. They've got the foreskin the way the tomatillos do. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so we had a bunch of that at Thanksgiving, too. A little taste of the summer with canned peaches. Nice. It sounds like you that, that's a culinarily interesting Thanksgiving. I like the sound of it very much. It's pretty good. And, of course, my nieces, who are 7 and 12, I don't think they ate anything. They might have had some toast. Yeah. But we, it all got eight. Oscar slept through it. He woke up during the pie course. Of course he did. And had had some turkey. And the next day, though, he ate all the turkey. He ate, I don't know, half pound of turkey. Oh, wow. Little baby. (laughs) Terrifying. Did you get a shot of him uh, with the the big old turkey leg? Dwarfing him? Uh, No, because he was asleep. but, But we have everybody else holding up a turkey leg. All right, good. Got a nice color on the turkey. Good. This this, this time. So. You're in training for the Ren Fair. Yeah. Oh, I hope Oscar never has to go to a Renaissance festival. I hope I have a lot of hopes and dreams for my son. <laughs> he'll he'll be interested in all kinds of things that are distasteful to you. <laughs> but mainly I hope that he never gets involved in the Society for Creative Anachronism. <laughs> Why? I just don't want to see that. Chainmail. <laughs> Big swords. Did you ever see that video uh, by the actually the Oregon uh, metal band Red Fang for their song um, their song uh, Prehistoric Dog? No, I don't, it, it involves the members of the band are driving around in their in their crap mobile drinking PBRs and they come upon a some uh, uh, some you know creative anachronism people some LARPers or something and they're all they're having a fake sword fight. And so they, uh, the band goes home and they make, uh, they make armor out of beer cans and they go to kill the LARPers and then the, the LARPers end up killing them. And because instead of training, yeah, yeah, instead of blood spurting out of their bodies, there's, there's beer because they've drunk so much beer in order to make the, yeah, well, I'll put it, I'll put it in the notes. This is a, it's Red, a great song. Red Fang, what's the name Red, of the band? Red, Red, Fang? Red, Red Fang, they're from Portland. Prehistoric dog is the is the video. I'll watch it. Actually, you haven't asked me. Um, you haven't asked me uh, what record that is uh, behind me, but in fact, it is the new uh, Red Fang album. Oh, very good. Yeah, which is pretty good. I st- I, I must say I still like their first record better than the other two, but um, but the but I but they're they're uh, you know they're like hipster metal. So I think if you're really a, a metalhead, you. You would we'd maybe scoff at them a little bit, but they're but they're pretty terrific. They're the China Mieville to the Robert Jordan. <laughs> That's right, the China Mieville of metal. Yeah. 
<laughs> is your next uh, um, so you, what's what's next musically for you? You've got the Starry Mountain Sweetheart Band, this great new album which I listened to, we listened to several times driving down to Bend. And oh really? Um, great, uh, thanks, man. And but are you all going to make another album? Uh, Would be another band? I'm just wondering when you're going to take a more metal turn. I guess <laughs> I actually sort of fantasized about at fifty. Is 50 when you're going to take your metal turn? No, it's not going to happen, but... Uh, uh, you're going to start playing metal, really hardcore metal, and you're going to take in a bunch of lodgers <laughs> at 50. You don't know what's going to happen. No, I don't know what's going to happen at 50. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, house, full, house full of strangers with their beards over their blankets and... Uh, uh, just <laughs> complicated noodling with my with my vermin son. Complicated noodling with my vermin son. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Just let me. Uh, just let me suffer through forty three. Don't don't make me predict that. But I do imagine that you know the band has a shelf life because people are going to move away. So I'm wondering if maybe I should start like a like a louder, you know, punkier mm-hmm. outfit. When they're gone, because now I, you know, now I've re- I've re- recovered my taste for being in bands, and I might want to. Also, I've now got the studio set which up, is, which is mostly uh, uh, a weariness of of hauling gear, if I remember correctly. Well, it wasn't just that; it was and that, things being just so. It was that, and staying up late, and yeah. uh, you know, traveling, and being you know, arguing with people essentially, having different opinions from other people. Um, and a lot of those program problems kind of solve themselves with this band. One, because this the practice room and studio is my house, and I keep it the way I like it. And the the band are wonderful people who are easy to get along with, which is um, miraculous. Um, so to the answer your original question, we're going to record another record. We we've got eight songs written for it, and are in the process of learning them. Um, and I've making a few changes to the studio setup to make the recording process a little uh, easier. Um, and uh, we're going to try to record a ho- the whole basic tracks for the whole album before our drummer moves. No. And the other thing is we're going to try to – I think I've persuaded them that we should do a little tour. We should do like an East Coast or Northeast tour because we, we all know people in – uh, in who are in bands in New York and Boston and and Philly and places in between. So mm-hmm. and we had such a great time that weekend. We went to New York together. That um, I'd like to try to you know. Does rent, someone rent. have? Uh, does someone have a van? No, we'd probably rent a van for for a week. No one has a van. Mm-hmm. I you know, I wouldn't mind owning a van personally, not just for rock and roll, just having a van. Get a van. Get a van. Get a van. Get some of that mailbox money and get a van. Mailbox that's, money? That's, that's pretend pretend money that I imagine people just put into your mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I, was, when I was a little kid, that's how I thought that you got money. You went out to the, you went out to the mailbox and there was money in it. <laughs> well, you know, I every time – the only reason I'm eager to get the mail – Ever is because there might be money in there. There's a very small chance of it, yeah. but there just might be because maybe I wrote something that you know three months ago and forgot I was going to get paid for it, and I and I get a check. That happens every now and then, but every day I think, will there be money? 
or some absent-minded, cash-heavy millionaire will mistake <laughs> your mailbox for a bank deposit box. <laughs> like what, uh, like what Jesse does in uh, in Breaking Bad. Maybe there'll be a, a you know, a, a guilt-ridden uh, yeah. meth cooker who's just passing out, uh, you know, stacks of hundred-dollar bills. It's more yard money than mailbox money. <laughs> That's different. Yard money gets kind of dirty. Mailbox money retains its crispness, like lettuce in a bag. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for listening to our album. Good album. Everyone should listen to it. Yeah, we have not done a good job promoting it, mostly because mm-hmm. we just don't. We're not invested in that thing. We've sold should, a, we sold a bunch. We'll have more shows. We'll sell it at shows. Y'all should be openers for a big band. Yeah, but how do you do that? I don't know how you do anything. <laughs> it just <laughs> happens. Just go out to your mailbox. There'll be a uh, a little little note, handwritten note from uh, Lindsey Buckingham saying that we're looking for <laughs> still alive. Asking, you know, yes, he is. We're going on a limited tour of cities where your friends live and are wondering if it's open for us. Yeah, I don't know. I I think the the one member of the band who who knows how to do stuff like that and make that kind of thing happen is Adam, who did it semi-professionally for a decade but i think he's that part of his life is done and i'm the i'm now the most organized person in the band and i don't really know how to do those things so i think we're in a good place i don't i'm not uh i'm not interested in becoming a famous or but i do wish more people would hear the record yeah i don't know how you do that no video yeah and we've talked about that, but once again, it ends up falling to me to get the shit together. Mm-hmm. And um, there's only so many hours in in a day. I had a I have a good idea for one of our songs, a video for one of our songs. But which song for one of the uh, uh, one of mine, Memory Hole? Yeah. Um, but uh, it would at one point involve the whole band playing the song together in a in a car. I don't know if it would work, though. If you get the van, you could do that. The fan? You get everybody in the van. Oh, yeah. So if you acquire the van, so there's one more reason to get the van. Yeah, that's a good point. Are your children driving cars yet? No. Um, Owen the oldest actually, one is old enough. Yeah, he will be Owen eligible. He'll be eligible for a learner's permit uh, the end of December, the end of this month. Nothing safer than a van. What you you you're uh, pursuing this me owning a van thing with suspiciously uh, passionately? I think you'd enjoy a van. I think I would enjoy a van. Who doesn't like a van? I I like a van. It would be fun to go on family trips if we owned a van because everyone would kind of um, everybody would kind of uh, feel we're on a we're on tour. We're on a rock tour. Best part of you owning a van. Yes. Is five to ten years after you buy it, it's sitting um, in the far edge of your property with stuff growing over it. <laughs> and it just looks great. Because it has some bumper stickers on it from a, a different period of your life. Before before the metal, before the lodgers. <laughs> and you can go out and, 
and look at it. <laughs> Think fondly of, of those days. Maybe a, that sounds like a good rock video. Actually, is um, is uh, deciding to cut the weeds around the old van, fill the yeah. tires with air, and go huh? on the road. Yeah, at Going age fifty. Yep. <laughs> Just sign the house over to the lodgers. Skip on the last payment at the the, the uh, practice shed for um, for uh, hell bucket. <laughs> that wait, those that those are the those are the metal lodgers. They're in a band yeah, called Hell Bucket. Hell, hell Bucket. <laughs> and uh, drive drive off into uh, the broken country. I, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I don't know. Do you feel Ed that that there are big changes in store for you as as you grow older? Are you ha- are you midlife crisising yet? What form is it taking if you are? Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm a I'm a full time stay at home dad. There's no yeah. room for that sort of foolishness. I'm sure I had my my whatever crisis. I hate that term. It's very reductive of of sure. human experience. Um, but uh, I feel like I've probably passed through that. If I had money, I might have a crisis. Because crisis usually involves buying things, right? Yeah, I think the I think the the conventional wisdom is that you buy stuff. I can't buy anything. Uh, other big changes ahead that I'm perfectly comfortable with, which you know we're moving from Missoula, you know, back to Seattle. Yeah. Uh, essentially, are in Seattle, just kind of extending the vacation, and uh, you know, try to find a job of some kind. I had a job, kind of a job interview in Bend. Yeah. Yeah. How'd it go? I don't feel like I can really talk about it. <laughs> it's a personnel issue. Uh, but it was hilarious. <laughs> it was a hilarious job interview. Can we can we discuss it post uh, post recording? We can talk about it offline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know man I just think the 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 longer I'm in it the uh, you know I I have become in the past year much much happier with my uh with my job which is you know as as academic jobs go if, of course is an excellent one. We had a little uh, break. That's how it's supposed to work, right? Had a little so break. Supposed to give you a little a little uh supposed to come back kind of having cleared away some of the brush, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, some men, men in some pipe, <laughs> and I came. I came back and uh, feel and f- have had a great semester. Of uh, my students, in particular, have been wonderful. Oh, and that reminds me. I'll get back to this. But um, so we have um, eight gra- grad students in fiction, and we have thirteen classes, uh, thirteen sessions of the graduate workshop every semester. And I think most professors here just use the first one as a kind of get to know you and go home early sort of thing. But um, I've I've gotten into the habit when I teach the graduate workshop of instead, I write to the students a couple of weeks ahead of time before the first session and say, we're start we're going to start workshopping your stuff day one. So give me some volunteers and let's right off the bat, we're going to have norm regular workshops. And then the 13th class, we're going to do and I did you, finally, you finally introduce each other yourselves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Take a deep breath and say, "By the way, my name's Carl." Oh, nice. 
<laughs> uh, so does this mean I can stop calling you four eyes? Um, so, uh, uh, we do a thing in the last workshop. I did this a couple of years ago, and we're doing it this Tuesday, of everyone writing a thousand word or fewer story. Everyone, including me, and then we have like a like a rapid fire free for all workshop. No written comments, just talking, and we workshop all nine stories in in two hours. And uh, this time, this is an exercise I've done with under excuse me with undergraduates before. I've never done it with grad students, where you go to the website uh, mapcrunch.com. Have you been to – have you gone to mapcrunch? No, I don't know about mapcrunch. All it is is it's random Google Street View images. Hmm. So you hit, keep hitting the go button, and uh, a, a new random Google Street View pops up. And uh, uh, I just said just keep hitting go until – something looks interesting to you and write a story inspired by it and uh i'm very very excited at the result already one student has handed in something great i just did my thing yesterday um a little little ghost story about an unfinished house but um so i'm very stoked about my teaching this week because i think it's going to be a fun class we're gonna have a potluck at my house and and by the roaring fire and talk about each other's stories that's great. I just I just did uh, Map Crunch, and I'm in I'm in some don't even know what country or part of the world it is, but it's, it looks sort of semi-industrial. There's a uh, like a pet food factory half constructed. If you look at the bottom right of the screen, you will see the uh, it tells you where it is. Does it? Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't appear, though. Now looking at Iceland. Oh, Here's uh, Dresden. Works with the somewhere in the Czech somewhere in the Czech Republic. Dusseldorf. Oh. Yeah. There's also a game that Rian likes to play online, which is called GeoGuessr, and yeah. essentially it shows you a random Google Street View. And then you have to, just from visual cues, you have to guess where it is. And it gives you a map. And you click on the map uh, where you think the picture is from. And your your score is calculated according to how close you are in miles. Nice. Yeah. I'll try that as well. Yeah, I'll put that in the, I'll put that in the notes. GeoGuessr. Yeah, so you could look at MapCrunch all day, really. Yeah, I think that's that's how today's going to go. Yeah, it's miraculous, isn't it? Maybe we won't go uh, cross-country skiing or soaking in the hot springs. I'll just <laughs> look at strangers in far-off places I'll never see again. The, the, thing about, the thing that I find amazing about MapCrunch is how few of the pictures have people and houses in them. That um, you, you get the sense that the vast majority of planet earth is is more or less uninhabited mm-hmm. just looking at all these places and think what what do people have in common is everybody knows who britney spears is <laughs> that's the thing that ties the whole world together <laughs> yeah i know who that is yeah <laughs> what kind of accent was that I was, I was imagining Czech because I'm looking at a uh, Czech tire store. 
Yeah, yeah Brittany. Like. I do know they, so they don't sound like that. Brittany, she get out of car, see how who are. Every Czech person I've ever met has spoken English like somebody from Ohio. Really? Yeah. I'm reminded of the Dennis Johnson story where the guy pre- pretends he's from Poland. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at Tipperary, Ireland right now. It is not a long way to Tipperary. I'm right there. You're there already. It's And it is... Then you want to know what the street is called that that we're on here? Unnamed Road. Mm. Spooky. Unnamed it's an old Trevor story. <laughs> I think I think it is. So, uh, yeah, those are some cheerful stories. But what I wanna... what I've been saying is because you'd been talking about having a hilarious uh, job interview, and I'd been talking about my improved relations at at my job. Um, Academia is a weird, a weird culture, and it is. It's a culture. It's a subculture. It's a sub subculture, and it's extremely peculiar. It is. Yeah. Well, it's very wealthy. I mean, it's like a, a like a diamond store. <laughs> you know. I don't know how to explain that. I know, one thing I'm thinking about is so I've 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 had I've had trouble reading poetry lately. Um, if if, I, if it if I want. Poetry to make sense, but when I read a poem that makes sense, I usually don't like it because no. it's boring. Um, and if it if it doesn't if I if I like it, it usually doesn't make sense. But I, I you know, so there's there's some weird ratio happening. But one thing I've noticed is like the, the less a poem makes sense, the more the wealthier I assume the poet is. Yeah, or was. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? I think you have the luxury to 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 write nonsense. The more the bigger your trust fund is, <laughs> yeah, and if you if you if you if you're struggling to get by, then you you uh, feel like oh I I should try to say something because I have something on because my time is valuable. Well, I th- I think we I think in general, not just in poetry, but I think we habitually underestimate the importance of money and class in every single thing that we do. Yeah. Because we, it's it's not supposed to be important. We're we're you know we like to pretend it's not important. It's everything. Yeah. Oh, sexual attractiveness. But even sure. that's sure. That's a that's a wrapped up in class. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually. So is there what's so so uh, you're gonna are we going somewhere with this? Poetry? You're having trouble reading poetry. Where do you where do you think this is headed? Well, I took the, these poems I've been writing. I mean, the, the writing that was going really well, and I I took it all and and put it into prose, and I think it's a novel. What? I think so. <laughs> you put it into prose? Yeah, and it kind of makes more sense if I say it's a novel. Good God! We'll see. How long is it? I know, like forty pages. I mean, I'm not done, but like right. it makes more sense moving forward. Is like, oh, this I kind of understand. I understand this text, you know. Well, I have to say, even if this is not the novel you're going to write, you are going to write a novel. Maybe it's this one. I don't know. Yeah. Right now, right, right now, the title is uh, uh, so it's it's all you know it's all written as poetry and it's called essay a novel. <laughs> Have to, I guess I have to make some choices. <laughs> I actually think you should leave it as poetry and call it essay a novel. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. I'm suggestible. Yeah. Fic- yeah. As am I. Yeah. 
Well, uh, what do you got going on this week? Do you all have like a one week of regular school and then it's break or do you all go up till Christmas? No, no, it's break. Um, I got one more class. Uh, I have to do a bunch of, I have, you know, administrative garbage to do every day. Um, but then it'll be over. And I, uh, uh, in one week, a week from yesterday, I'm going to open the file, the, the, uh, you know, the, the doc, the doc X where my novel in progress is stored and I'm going to read it. Uh, and then when I get to the end, uh, I'm going to start typing and add things to it. That's, that's the plan. And then I'm going to add a, at least a hundred pages over break. Actually, you got about a month. I've got a little more than a month actually. That's great. Um, yeah, about a month and a half, month and month and a week, month and two weeks. And then uh um I have nothing planned. I'm going to stay home a lot. Yeah. Might go to New York in uh January to to because this anthology that I'm in is coming out and they might do some events, but other than that I don't have any real plans. Um I'm going to go back to writing the thing I ought to have been doing all this time. Very good. And you? Oh, I'm going to pop to Kansas uh, for Christmas. You're going to pop? Pop? Pop, to, pop over to Kansas. Pop over to Kansas. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, boxing stuff up. Yep. Might take a load over to Seattle before the holidays, but we'll, we'll uh, go back, back, to the, back to the same old house. The, the pink house? Month. Pink house, back to the pink house. Is it still pink? Hasn't been pink for a decade. But it's still the pink house. Still the pink house. There's a there's a slight spatter of pink paint on the, some of the window panes in the back. But, yeah, uh, yeah, back. So now I don't I'm, feel like I don't feel like I ever left really. No. No, this has just been a. It has felt like and has been a vacation, a very nice one. But uh, we got signed up. We got signed up for our Obamacare. Oh yeah. In Washington, had no trouble. Good. How did you have to keep contrary to news reports? You had to keep hit and refresh. How did it, what was your web your web experience like? Turn on the computer, type in the address, answer the questions, make a choice. Obamacare. Congratulations, you've got Obamacare for a little bit less than our uh, private insurance we have right now for um, a hell of a lot more coverage. Wow! Except for emergency stuff. That's what's weird. Emergency room stuff is will be difficult to to cover because the everything is fine. It covers all, all our doctor and everything we want, except the, the the nearest emergency room that's covered technically under the plan is about thirty miles away. Ah, uh, so the whole point of the emergency room there is then uh, is somewhat nullified. Yeah, but uh, we'll try not to have any emergencies. I guess it's the American way. Or plan them out. Yeah, or you know, just to know that you're going to have your heart attack in a in a hot spring. I'll, I'll have to start going to the the Russian baths up near my emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is one. It's an Everett. It's a better one. Really? It's, it's more. It's more Russian. There's more Russians at it. They have the Venex. Do you like that? Do you like there being more Russians? Do you care about authenticity? Is authenticity a thing? It's not the authenticity. It's it's the at the downtown Banya. It's there. There's some Russians, but mostly it's it's uh, like running enthusiasts, modern dancers, 
yoga people. Lovely people to be around, but uh, they're hot, very fit. Hot ladies is what you're telling me. And, and handsome men, you know, with, with bodies that, that uh, I've never had. Uh, but up at the, the north one, it's, it's, it's Russians with their fantastic Russian bodies, which resemble mine more, <laughs> more, more gallantly, more gracefully. <laughs> feel more at home up there. And you inhabit your body very gracefully. Thank you. As well, do they up in the, uh, as do the Russians. They inhabit your body. They inhabit my body. No, they, you know, they'll they'll drink a little bit in the in the, uh, you know, they'll smuggle some beers in. Yeah, you know, they, they know how to do it. Gold so chain. I just, uh, I as we've been talking, I've continued to hit go on MapCrunch, and I have arrived at uh, Galapagos, Ecuador, and there's an extraordinary lava field here. I'm gonna I'm gonna screenshot. Extraordinary. I'm also going to leave your picture right in the middle of it, and I'm going to use this as our uh, as our uh, image for the show. Nice. This week, I'm it's in Ed's head floating over a lava field in Ecuador. Very nice. I just pressed refresh, and now I'm in uh, Colombia, and there seem to be some uh, dead bodies in bags off to the side of the road. <laughs> no, really. Well, I guess it's probably garbage. Closer <laughs> examination, it's garbage. You shouldn't have examined it more closely. It was better when it was bodies. Stop pressing go. <laughs> All right. I think I think we ought to end this thing. Okay. John, pleasure talking to you. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. Bye. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. It's time for love.